And if the church cannot and will not protect women and children, then what is the church? And so we had to go and communicate to the authorities and to the community. As I've processed this and why others did not act, in fact, it was the judge who said, um, does anyone in this community care about sexual abuse? As he was staring at the Christian community. Why others did not act, I think this was probably the number one reason, that we don't want the children, Jeff's children and wife, to be hurt. But you see, the reality is there's already suffering going on, isn't there? Three different young women who suffered in silence, who continued to suffer in silence, and if no one had done anything, would continue to suffer on. See, there was suffering. The issue was the community said, we're comfortable with that suffering because we don't have to bear it. What we don't want is for the people we know to suffer. But you see, what in essence those people were doing was playing God. In other words, God doesn't have the capacity to enter into this suffering. We're not going to do good because we think bad is going to result. Instead of trusting God, that God is in the middle of this, and God has the power to reach into these innocent people's lives and care for them. And that you, Christian community, can come around them and care for them. Well, that's easy for you to say, Carlos. It's not your family. To which my response is, we have had to make hard choices in our own life. You know, when our son died, and then the person who killed him died that night, it would have been all too easy to find somebody to lash out at. Probably his family would be the best choice, right? Somebody has to pay for this. Or we can trust God. God's in the middle of this. Let's do what he says. And just trust that he's big enough to be there for us. And you know what? He has been. And he will be for that family. As they trust in him. The point I'm trying to make, my friends, is we all have to choose a path. Everyone chooses a path. And so which path are you choosing? And how you conduct your business? And how you go about your schoolwork? And how you go about dating? And what you decide to watch? How you decide to live? And the great thing about God, this is what I love about Him, you can start now. When did Joshua start walking around? the walls. One the next day. As soon as he got done with God, you know what he said? Everybody gather around. This is what we're going to do. I bet a lot of people said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm not kidding you. We're going to do it. Because Joshua was committed to the ways of the Lord. Are we? So you got to get a map, first of all. If you don't know God's word, you have no idea where you're going. That's what this church is all about, teaching you God's word. 
I will always answer the phone call that says, I don't know what to do. What does God's word say? I want to learn God's word. You'll always get a return call for that one. I want to be discipled, Carlos. Can you put me, connect me with someone older in the faith who will teach me what it means to obey God's commands? Finally, who's walking with you? Show me your friends and I'll show you where you're going to end up. Is this church? I come here, it's Sunday, we do our thing, and then I'm off for the rest of the week. Who are you walking with? Because without anyone to walk alongside you in the faith, you're not going to make it. You're going to veer off. You've got to set your course. That brings me to my second point. You've got to keep walking. All right, day one. So they did their thing the first day. Next day they wake up. They walk around. By the way, they're not allowed to talk while they're walking around. So the Canaanites are looking up there at them, and this is their strategy. What do you think the Canaanites are saying? Ooh, <laughs> right? We're frightened at what you're doing. It's humiliating. And they go back to the camp, and I wonder if a couple of them are like kicking their feet, you know? They're sitting around the campfire. This is stupid. We're an embarrassment. Trust God. When did they decide to quit? I mean, can you imagine day four, day five? Here's why I think they didn't quit. Because as they were walking around, the trumpet was blasting. And it was supposed to be for seven days. And at the end of the seven days, they were supposed to shout. And if you were an Israelite and you had heard the law of the Lord, all of those things, when you tie them together, would make sense to you. The word trumpet, by the way, is the word yobel, from which we get the word jubilee. And God's word was very specific. After seven series of seven years would be the jubilee when the trumpet would blast. In fact, it was called the trumpet blast of liberty. This is what God's word says. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. Now keep in mind, these people have never had an inheritance. They've lived in the desert all of their lives. As their parents, week after week, lamented the fact that they received the curse of God for not obeying. And all of these instructions are for the land that they are to possess. That everyone will go back to their own place. That they have an inheritance. See, as they hear the trumpet blasting, and with each day, they're saying we're getting closer. We're choosing to believe. Jubilee, the word jubilate, which means shout of joy, shout of liberty. Every day, they're getting closer to the shout. And maybe, just maybe, in their hearts, they have enough faith to believe that when we shout, God will give us what he promised us. 
On the day of Jubilee, by the way, it was supposed to line up with the Day of Atonement. The Day of Jubilee was the Day of Atonement. If you know anything about the Day of Atonement, that would be the time when the priest would take the blood of the goat and he would sprinkle it on the altar. And then he would take the other goat, the scapegoat, and he would lay on the scapegoat the sins of the people. And that goat would be the one that would go off into the wilderness. But they would have the inheritance of the Lord. See, they're wondering, just wondering if maybe they will no longer have to live in the wilderness. That maybe that shout of liberty will be for them. And so it's the hope of the inheritance that propels them along. It's the same way for us, right? How do we start joyfully in our Christian walk and not quit? I think we're listening for the sound of the trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the Lord himself will come down from the heavens with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Hebrews tells us, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, we're called to march along on this Christian faith. But we're not simply getting older. We're getting closer. And Jesus said, I will, be, I will go with you. But we're called to carry something along this journey of faith. We're called to carry the cross. Remember this if you don't remember anything else. Jesus is exactly to you what his cross is. Jesus is exactly to you what his cross is. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him carry his cross and follow it. For whoever gains his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. What do I mean by all of this? As you go through life, the world is trying to tear you down. But as you carry the cross, you hear the message of God. I've died for you. You're worthy of my kingdom. I will cover you. I will protect you. I will lead you. I will bring you to myself. Just trust in me. Let me cover you with my cross. Don't listen to them. Watch what I did for you. It was C.S. Lewis that said, earthly pleasures are a sign, but earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy the deepest desire of my heart, only to arouse it, only to suggest the real thing. And if this is so, I must take care never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, but never to mistake them for something of which they are only a kind of copy an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. 
I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. As we're walking, brothers and sisters, we must keep our eyes on the heavenly city. We're not getting older, we're getting closer. What are you walking toward? For much of our world, perfection is finding the perfect craft beer. Now, I like a good craft beer, don't get me wrong. But is my life worth that? Is that going to sustain me when things get hard? For most of us, life is all about consuming, finding the next experience. Who is Jesus to you? He's exactly what his cross is. Well, I don't need the cross. Well, you don't need Jesus. But if you need the cross, if you need to get a, through this world unscathed, not bowing to the pressures of the world, but believing that you're something greater, that you are more than simply what you do and what people think of you, that you are the Son of God through Christ. That no matter what you have done or will do, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't absolve us from the earthly consequences of sin. Hear me on that. But it absolves me from the heavenly ones. No, we have to keep walking. The trust in Christ. Finally, brings me to my final point, to go up, to go in. You know, there's one more person watching all of this, isn't there? Her name's Rahab. She's not watching from the outside, though. She's watching from the inside. While everybody's laughing, she knows what's coming, right? She was the one that hid the spies. I know that God is with you, and I know that God is going to give you this city. But because I've cared for you, remember me when you come in and do not destroy my family. And I wonder if every day at night Rahab is wondering to my, him, her, uh, herself, are they going to keep their promise? Is God going to keep his promise to me? Well, at the very end, you know, the great thing about God is this, God is not hostile to sinners. Only unbelievers. God came into the world to save sinners, didn't he? The Zacchaeuses of the world, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, you and me. God's not hostile to sinners. He came to save them. And so Rahab has hope. And so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound, the people shouted a great shout and the walls fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured it. But Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers. In fact, Rahab got married to an Israelite. Did you know that? His name was Solomon. And they had a child whose name was Boaz, who married a gal whose name was Ruth who had a son whose name was Obed, who had a son whose name was Jesse, who had a son whose name David, and so on and so on. 
I guess she's the great, 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 whatever, grandmother of Jesus. When uh, archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon in the 1950s went and excavated Jericho, go ahead and go to the next slide. She did a, uh, a cut of Jericho. It's all been buried. And so she did a, a, a cut of the mound, if you will, that it's all under. And she discovered something pretty amazing. That the two mud brick walls at the top of the stone walls had fallen this way. In fact, the Hebrews said that they would fall at their root. Apparently, there was an earthquake. And the only things that fell were those two revetment walls. And they formed two ramps, creating this path, if you will. The Hebrews very specific that they will go up into the city. That those mud brick walls at the top of the stone walls created two ramps that allowed the people to come up. In fact, go and go to the next slide. I don't know, uh, next slide. Oh, no, that's it, go back. If they had built it out of soapstone, there would be no issues. See, the, the walls fell, and in fact, they fell all the way around, except for one particular area. If you remember, Rahab lived outside the city wall, okay? So in between the two walls, the top wall, and they found houses, flimsy ones, that were against the top wall. And just about everywhere around the city, the wall fell. But there was a certain area where the wall did not fall. And there were some homes that were preserved. Now, what do you think the odds were that one of those homes was Rahab's? God watches over his people. That day, the city was devoted to destruction, but Rahab was devoted to salvation. Rahab went outside the gate to life because Jesus Christ went outside the gate to death. Rahab joined the Israelites for inclusion because you're my Savior who went outside the city walls for exclusion. Rahab was devoted for honor because Jesus Christ was devoted for death. It's his cross, my friends, by which we go up into the heavenly city. We will experience victories in life, sometimes external ones like this. But God promises that I will give you victory in your heart. The ability to withstand tragedy and pain and sorrow and sadness because I will be with you. So trust me. We're all going to leave this place and we're going to go live our lives. The choice will be before us. Will we choose to walk by the commands of the world or by faith in God's commands? When you choose to walk by faith in God's commands, in the end, your steps will always be sure. Let us walk by faith, not by sight. And let us experience the joy of the Lord at the last trumpet blast. Let's pray. Jesus, it's because of you 
by your cross that we're able to enter into the heavenly city that we would be barred from because of our sin, because of all that we've done, because of who we are. But in you, we're children of God and we can lift our head for we are devoted to salvation and victory, not destruction and shame. And so let us take your word seriously. Let us walk by it with the same sort of focus that Joshua did. And let the world see and believe. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. As we prepare to give tithes and offerings and worship uh, through giving, I'm struck by how 